So you have to go for it. So hopefully I have your attention now. Um, actually, one of my attention getters at Olivet when I was there, I started the speech out like this. I said, crevices of the human body. <laughs> at which point my professor just like turned sheet red. She was just completely embarrassed the whole rest of the time um, I gave the speech. Thankfully, it wasn't, you know, x-rated or anything like that. It was, it was uh, you know, just a funny story. Um, I'm not even going to tell it now. I know you all want to hear it now, but I'm not going to tell it. So uh, I'm, I'm really thankful to be with you here today. Uh, get an opportunity to share uh, at chapel services is a huge blessing to me. I know my wife would love to be here with you. Hopefully you heard some of her music on the way in. Uh, she's, I always say she's more talented than I am. Uh, she's definitely the talent of the family uh, with her music and what, the way she can create and, and give glory to God through that. So, you know, my gift is, you know, hitting the baseball uh, right now. I, I, I talked to Montague a little bit earlier and, uh, you know, at some point baseball is going to be over. So, you know, I always do think about what I might do next, but I, I do love the opportunity to speak um, and, and really just want to get a chance to share with you all today a little bit about uh, my upbringing. Um, I might share a few baseball things in there, but really uh, uh, as I prayed and thought, you know, God, what do you want me to share with these students here? Uh, You know, I I hope you're not disappointed I'm not going to share baseball stories the whole time, but uh, it really, the Lord has laid on my heart this, this, this idea, this topic of fear. The fear of God. Fear has been a, a big part of my life in the past. Uh, it really has. And you, mo- you wouldn't think that. You know, as a ball player, you're supposed to be confident. You know, we, we don't, we're not afraid of anything. Big athletes, you know, we can do anything. Hey, that's not the truth. Right? We're all afraid of various things. Let's just be honest, okay? And uh, growing up, you know, I, I, uh, I first accepted Christ in my life out of fear of hell. You know? I believed what... The Sunday school teachers were telling me uh, that God uh, was a holy God and I was a sinful person and that there was a hell but that was waiting for me if I didn't mend that relationship somehow. If there was, if there was something that I, I, uh, uh, I, I, if I didn't remedy that in some way. And so I was like, well, I, I'm going to accept Jesus, you know, of course. You know, you're, you're a little kid. You're, you're scared. You don't want to go to hell when you die. And so I accepted Christ out of that, out of that fear. Well, uh, as I grew older and I, 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 I wanted to walk with God, a lot of my uh, obedience to God in my life uh, as a kid was based on fear of the punishment, fear of the consequences. You know, my parents were God-fearing people and they wanted me to be a God-fearing person. And so, you know, the, the idea was if you, uh, if you know God and you sin against Him, you should be afraid of the consequences. Uh, and uh, so... A lot of growing up for me was, uh, you know, being obedient for that, for that matter. Uh, as I grew in my relationship with the Lord and realized more of His love, um, it, it, you know, I, I heard about that all the time. You can hear these things. You can have somebody tell them to you. You can, you can accept them uh, with, with your mind. But if they don't take root in your heart, you know, it, I'm not really sure that we really even truly know them. And uh, as I got older, I, I got more involved in sports. I was... Uh, not just a baseball player. I played baseball in the summer in Illinois, but I played basketball in the winter, played football in the fall. Sometimes I ran cross country. I used to run road races and things. I know there's some athletes out here. Um, I, I love sports. Sports has always been a big part of my life. It's been, I love to compete. 
Um, I hate losing. Uh, you know, I mean, in, in that way, probably like this region. You know, I, I, I'm very much like this region in that way. I, I have that that desire to win at all. You know, I, I want to win everything, right? Well, uh, that can be a good thing, but that can also be a bad thing. Uh, and as I grew older, I started uh, getting so involved in sports that, you know, the thing that I loved the most, the thing that I really wanted more than anything, is I wanted to have success at sports. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, my basketball team was doing really well. We were ranked in the state. We were undefeated. And uh, it was at this time in my life, like our town, small town in Illinois, basketball is the sport there. Uh, small town in Illinois, everybody's coming to the games. We're talking like there's 5,000 people in the town. There's probably 3,000 at the game just packing the gym, like standing room only. Everybody's there. Um, and, and we're the, the, the star athletes of, the, of the, the town, of the school. I'm starter. You know, this is the time for me as an athlete that I should be more excited than anything. And uh, oddly enough, this is actually the time that I was most afraid in my life. Because I was a senior in high school and I was starting to think about what might be next for my life. My future for the first time was a little bit uncertain. And I didn't know what, what was going to happen. And, and it was at that point that the Lord kind of allowed Himself to, you know, allow, even though He was in my life, He allowed me to feel what it was like to, to try and, you know, drive the bus by myself. And I, I, I realized at that point that I, I was ill-equipped to do this. You know, I, I was not the person that should be making these decisions. And I needed, I needed the Lord to make those decisions for me. And so this is the point in my life that I really hit, hit my face and I gave Him sports. And I said, Lord, I've, I've loved sports, but I don't, you know what? I don't need it. If you want to take it, you take it. I want to, I want to be in you. I, I want to be filled with you. If you send me somewhere where I don't get to do something I really enjoy doing, I'm fine with that. You know, that's what you want. And so I had submitted my whole heart, my whole life, all my plans to the Lord my senior year of high school. Well, through he ended up taking me uh, on a journey that I, I, I really did not expect. If you asked me, and I told Montague that, if you asked me back at Olivet if I thought I was going to be a Major League Baseball player, I, I'd probably have mocked that, that uh, phrase. There's just no chance in my mind. I, I mean, I thought, well, maybe I could possibly make it to pro ball, but... You know, it just the odds of making it to the major leagues are very slim, and, and I knew that. And, uh, you know, when I was at Olivet, God really, uh, you know, just kind of formed me and, and started, started sending me uh, the way that he, he wanted me to go, and it, it ended up being in the direction of baseball, um, you know, at least vocationally. But, but my heart still ha- has needed some, some changing, and he continues, he continues to uh, change my heart over time. And, uh, you know, I'm still a sinner. You know, that's the, that's the bummer, you know. Uh, you know, you like to think like when you come to the Lord and you, you've submitted everything to Him that things just start, you know, working out for you and you start uh, not sinning as much and, and, and hopefully you grow in, in holiness over your lifetime. But, but I'm still a sinner. It turns out you don't graduate from sin until you die. It's a bummer. Um, but and even then, you, you have to have faith in Christ. And, uh, you know, does anybody know what happens if you don't? You get held back. Sorry. Oh! Thank you. I thought of that all on my own. 
feel, feel free to use that. Um, I've never come up with a joke before. I'm not a very jokey person. So um, that's it. That's all I've got. Um, but, you know, there's four different responses when you have sin in your life, okay? You know, you can, you can say, well, I don't care. You can, you can just act like you don't care. It's not a big deal. Forget about it. Uh, eventually, you forget about it, probably. Uh, the second one, and that's when you know you've done something wrong. The second one is you can feel guilty and try and hide it. The third one is you can uh, be more dedicated to be more moral and be a better person. Uh, and then the last one is, uh, the last response is you can, you can be broken and contrite in heart. And God has uh, put this topic of fear on my heart today, and I think uh, I really want to just try and clarify that, because you know we have this view of fear as, as, a, as a negative thing in our society. It's always a negative thing um, right now. You don't, you don't want to be afraid. You want to have faith. You know, faith conquers fear. Uh, you know, like, like they're two separate things. You don't, you know, if you have fear, then you obviously don't have faith. Um, and, and I really want to clarify some of that if I can. And, and God has maybe done this for, for my own uh, heart, you know, just to teach me things about this anyways. But, but the, as I studied about the topic of fear in Scripture, I realized there was, uh, there was two main words for fear. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. There's more than that uh, if you look them up. But the main ones... Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you've got this this word called yurah, and I don't even know if I'm spelling or if I'm saying that. Monte can probably tell me, oh, that's terrible pronunciation uh, because he's the religion prof. But um, you know what? We're gonna go with it. Uh, I'm not even gonna try the second. Not even gonna try the second half of the the word. But there's three different kinds of yurah. There's like yurah, blah blah blah, yurah blah blah blah, and you know. And I, I, I can't pronounce those. So, but those, those three kinds are, the first one kind of fear is a fear of punishment or consequences, which is sort of what I talked about before. Not necessarily from God. This could be just, I'm afraid of what other people will think. I'm afraid to fail. Um, I'm afraid of, you know, something that has nothing to do with God. Uh, there's, uh, the second one is a fear of, uh, specifically God's punishment. A fear of, um, you know, what, what's gonna happen? What is God gonna do to me if I do this? Uh, the, and the last one is kind of a fear or a, an awe of something just majestic or like it, something exalted. It comes from like a clear view of who God is and a clear view of who you are, kind of seeing things His way. And this, this results kind of in a humble view of yourself. Now, like I said, in baseball, we, we don't have fear, right? But it, the, the kind of the main thing that we fear, if we're going to fear anything, is you don't want to... Uh, you don't want to disrespect the game. You ever heard of that? If you're a baseball player? You don't want to disrespect the game, right? Or, or your teammates. Those are kind of the ultimate things that if, if you're going to fear anything, you fear that in baseball. But, you know, in the Old Testament, it wasn't like this fear of, of your peers or your a fear of, um, you know, disrespecting, you know, uh, you know some, some sort of game you were playing or a group you were a part of. It was disrespecting... Um, God Himself. There was a fear of the Lord that they talked about. So I'm going to rifle through some of these verses just to give you a quick overview of what the Old Testament says about fear or the fear of the Lord. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 111.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. 
Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 14.26 and 27, In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 15.16, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Proverbs 15.33, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 19.23, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Proverbs 28.14, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Ecclesiastes 12.13, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And then, the last two passages that, that I really want to focus on, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and 13 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. That's in Deuteronomy. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, His people. And in Exodus chapter 20, uh, the nation of Israel had, uh, this is before that in, in the Scripture, but the nation of Israel had just come out of exile in Egypt. Moses had led them out of Egypt and uh, they get to uh, the base of Mount Sinai and um, Moses, God tells Moses to bring the people up to the mountain. So Moses brings the people up to the mountain and uh, this is what happens. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off, and said, and said to Moses, eh, you speak to us, we'll listen, but we don't want this God to speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of Him may be before you, that you may not sin. So, what they were understanding in the Old Testament is that there was this, uh, there was this fear of God, this uh, that was so other them, so outside of what they had understood about what gods were, because there was all sorts of gods in in these ancient cultures, and these gods were, you know, various forms of gods. You know, the god of sun or the god of the rain, or you know, there was there was all sorts of gods. Uh, you name it. You know, in, in baseball we have the baseball gods, right? You know, pick something that you really care about and put a name of God after it is what they were doing. But what they were realizing when they came to this mountain is this is not a God like those gods. This is not a God that you mess with. This is not a God that, that just like, you know, it, it's like a superstitious God. And, and in our culture now, that's what I hear more than anything. Most people that I talk to in baseball have little to no belief in God and if they do believe in God, it's a karma-like God or a superstitious-like God who, uh, as long as you do the right things, is going to give you what you want and uh, really does not, does not hold you accountable to anything in your life. And uh, this is a big problem because I know there are people in this room that believe this. And if you believe this, there, there is... Um, you know, the God of the Bible is... Uh, is a loving God, but He's also a wrathful God. And, and that's what they're starting to understand in the Old Testament here, that this God, He wants a relationship with His people, 
but they still are having trouble like understanding how big he is. And he shows a little bit of himself. And it's like this analogy like of a fire in a fireplace, okay? You got, you know, you want to keep this fire in the fireplace. You want to, um, you know, you want to be able to roast s'mores on it. You know, you want to be able to cook hot dogs and, and have it controlled in your controlled environment. But, but the kind of God that we're dealing with is not the God in the fireplace. This, it's like the fire that is uncontrollable. You know, it's, it's a lot different when you see a fire in your kitchen. You know, when you see it engulfing your kitchen as opposed to seeing that fire in the fireplace. And all of a sudden they're, they're starting to see this is really dangerous. This is really, you know, not something to mess with. Um, you know, when you look at the New Testament, uh, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, in the New Testament it was different. They didn't think of God that way. He wasn't a fearful. He wasn't a fearful God. Um, but uh, I want to show you that, that um, in the New Testament there were some very th- similar thoughts. There's a Greek word in the New Testament that's used for fear most often. It's called it's phobos. It's where we get the the word phobias, right? Anybody have any weird phobias, strange phobias? I, I'm a little bit scared of heights. Um, you know, I don't really like. I want a railing there. Um, I don't really feel comfortable. With that, I, I'm, I'm, one of the main things that I deal with in my life is a fear of failure. I don't, I hate to fail, uh, which is part of why God probably has me in baseball because I fail all the time. And He's like, look, I'm going to teach you how to deal with this because, you know, you need to deal with it. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of other fears out there. You know, arachnophobia, what's that? Fear of spiders. Uh, anybody just afraid of the dark still? Night lights? Right there. I hear you. Um, I mean, we all we have all sorts of fears uh, that we're afraid of, but um, that just, that just I, I just had something pop in my head from the office. Anybody watch the office at all in the past? Um, yeah, like you know the episode from Healthcare, like the first season where I'm, I shouldn't even be talking about this right now. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. But you know they're making up all sorts of. Uh, a health crisis is for Dwight because he's trying to pick a pick a health care plan. They come up with all sorts of things. Count choculitis, you know. You know, it, you know. There's a lot of people that have fear of being sick. You know, fear of, uh, you know, I forget what's that called when you're when you're afraid that you're going to get sick all the time. Hypochondriac. Yeah, there's some hypochondriacs in here. I know there are. I've been that at various times. Um, but yeah, just a fear of getting sick. And really, when you look at it. Any fears that you have, if there's a fear that you have, it's because you've placed a God on the opposite end of that. You know? If I'm afraid to fail, what's my God? Success. Right? Um, I don't know. If you, if you have a fear of a spider, what would your God be? Safety? Keep me, keep me away from spiders. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm off on tangents. But... Anyways, um, the fear in the New Testament is like a fear that leads to withdrawal uh, or a separation in recognition of inadequacy. It can be that. It can be something that like, whoa, i got to get away from this. Um, this is just too much for me. But it's also uh, noted that as that same kind of fear, the third kind that I talked about of Urah, which is a, a reverential awe and a respect. And so as Christians, we're... Or, you know, common, commonplace to go, well, but the fear of God in the Bible means respect. It means you, you revere Him. You respect Him so much. Yeah, but it also means you're scared of Him. 
You know, we forget that a lot of times because there is a part of God that we should be scared of, and that's His wrath. That's His wrath because He still is a wrathful God. He's been the same God in the Old Testament that He is in the New Testament. If you change that and you say, well, no, He's this kind of God now, then you might as well just throw away the whole Old Testament. And if you do that, then you can't say Jesus was who He was because Jesus claimed that same God of the Old Testament. Okay? So, the God... The God that Jesus and His apostles subscribed to was the same God of the Old Testament. And Jesus believed and taught a reverential fear of God when He referenced Deuteronomy 6 in Matthew chapter 4 when, the, when, when Satan was tempting Him in the wilderness and He quoted Scripture. He was, he was, he was uh, quoting this reverential fear, this reverential servitude to God Almighty. And He said uh, in Matthew 10.28, uh, God is referred to as, as more of a judge and a, an avenger of sin. He says, when these people were afraid of what others were thinking of them, He said, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Um, one of my pet peeves is going to the movies with my wife. We like to go, on movie, go, go to movies when we uh, have a date night. And uh, one of my pet peeves is going to a movie that, you know, is a pretty, pretty cool, you know, action flick or good movie. And you have horror flick previews. I hate horror flicks. I just, I can't stand them. I don't get why some of you love them. I know some of you do. I just don't get it, you know. Some of my Christian, you know, my buddies like horror flicks. I just don't get why people want to be scared in that way. Um, anyways, that's just a pet peeve of mine. But, um... You know, what God, what Jesus is saying here, listen to a parallel passage. I tell you, my friends, this is in Luke chapter 12, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Which is interesting that he would say fear, but don't fear. Um, we're going to get back to that in a minute. Uh, but he says this, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So he brings back the accountability that we have before God. Zion, my son, who's three years old, has various fears, you know, Oftentimes, when he's, when he's uh, in bed at night, uh, he'll get out of bed and come into our room, knock, you know, come in and be like, what's, what's, what do you think he says? I'm scared. <laughs> I'm like, let's go! Toughen up! No, that's not what I say. Although I think that a lot of times. But I take him back to bed and, you know, I try and explain to him there's nothing to be afraid of, um, you know. But regardless of whether, you, whether he knows there's nothing to be afraid of and he knows that we're in the next room, he still gets scared. And uh, eventually, he gets out of bed again and then he gets out of bed again. And, and by the third time or the fourth time, you know, I'm, we're getting a little frustrated, you know. And so by the end of that time, I'm trying to teach him how to fear his dad more than fear whatever you're scared of. You know? But in a way, there, there's an element of that to God. Right? There's an element of we should fear our, our Heavenly Father 
more than we fear whatever we're scared of in our life. There's an element of that. Um, and, and if there is some sort of fear that you have trouble overcoming in your life, I guarantee you, if you have the right view of God, the fear of God in your life, it will overcome that other fear. And the fear of God, you're going to find out in a minute here, is actually a positive um, kind of fear. The apostles, the disciples also believed in this same uh, fear of God, even, even though they knew the Gospel. Since we have these promises, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Philippians 2.12 Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And Peter says in 1 Peter 2, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This is New Testament stuff. Okay? This is stuff after Christ came and brought the love of God and the, and the mercy of God and the grace of God, God to us. Just, this is the part of, of, of the, the talk where it's, it's mostly uh, scary. You know, it's mostly fearful. Okay? And uh, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. In our culture, we like to give people free passes, right? You get a couple free passes and then it's like, alright, hammer down. Okay? I mean, you see this all the time in baseball. Uh, for a long time with the steroid controversy, uh, you know, we gave people passes. I mean, people were taking stuff and just like, you know, going out there and playing and making tons of money. And the league even knew that they were on stuff, but they, there wasn't a rule in place to, to uh, discipline them yet. So it was like, oh, we'll just give them a little time here until we decide who all is involved and, and how we're going to discipline that. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times we do that for people in society that, though they've been a good person, but they made this mistake. Well, we can forgive them, right? We just forgive very quickly. Nowhere in the New Testament will you find a God who excuses sin. He doesn't excuse our sin. He doesn't just say, okay, we'll give you a couple free passes. You messed up. Don't worry about it. This is a false God. If you believe in this kind of God, not the God of the Bible. Not the God of the Bible. God does not excuse sin. I want to make that clear because I treat Him sometimes as if He does. But God has always been a God of wrath towards sin. He's always been that. And He always will be that. Okay? But the interesting thing that we find is that this very same God that we should fear because of His wrath is simultaneously a God who casts out fear. Okay? What you find is God is the only solution to God. Okay? In Psalm chapter 23-4, He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for You are with Me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort Me. Psalm 27.1 The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34.4 I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 85.9-10 and 10, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. 
righteousness and peace kiss each other. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God rescues those that are His from His wrath by adopting us as His own. And His forgiveness is, is available not just because He's going to excuse us of it, but through His wrath being poured out on who? His own Son. His own Son He poured His wrath out on. Grace is not free. Don't ever let someone tell you that. Don't ever think that yourself. It was not free. And the moment you start believing it was free and that it's not that it's cheap, it's not a big deal, is the moment that you take it for granted and you sin and you don't care. It's not free. It came at a great price. Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you realize what that means? No condemnation. This wrathful, awesome, amazing God that could take you in a heartbeat, He's giving you the very breath you have right now as you're sitting in your seat. This same God, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. No condemnation. Romans 5, 6-11 through 11 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we've been justified by His blood. Therefore, since we've been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Romans 8.15 For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is that analogy of a, a loving daddy. Okay, Abba, Father means, it's like in Scripture saying, Daddy. Calling him spiritual daddy. You know, when my kids call me daddy, mm, especially my, you know, it just, it melts my heart. You know, because there's that relationship that they have with me. They still fear me. They still have a healthy respect for me, but they're not afraid to come to me. They're not afraid to come to me. They're not running away from me anymore. And that's the, that's, that's where, that's where that tension lies. Okay? John Piper said it like this. If anybody knows who John Piper is, he said, this God is, gives you this view that He's so holy and so awesome and so amazing that you wouldn't dare run away from Him, but only run to Him. It's like the prodigal son. He knew where to go when he was at his lowest point. And it wasn't further away from his father. It was back to his father in a humble, contrite, broken spirit. So what should our response to these things be? In 1 Peter 1, he says, As obedient children, now that you're a child, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You're part of a holy family now. As it, and if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 John 4, 15-18 says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in Him and He in God. So now we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is, as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So we, have the, we still have this reverence for God. We still have this awe, this respect for God. But now we understand that God's love, His wrath has been poured out on His Son and His love has come. And now that perfect love that He's given us casts out that fear of judgment. That fear of guilt. Um, you know, that, that need for mending things and make, becoming a more moral person. All those things are ways that we deal with things in the flesh. We either say, I don't care. So what? Not a big deal. Or we feel guilty. We try and hide it. Or we try and be a better person. None of those are in the Spirit. The Spirit is that of a broken and contrite heart before God that, that you love Him so much that when you sin against someone else, you're way more upset. You should be way more upset about how God, how you disappointed your father. You know, It's not that your position has changed with Him. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. You're still in the family. But you don't want to traipse upon that great mercy that He's given you, that great sacrifice that He's given you. So, so here's a final definition, a couple of definitions I got from some people that I, I feel like kind of wraps it all up. The fear of the Lord is the proper emotional and attitudinal response to an accurate understanding of who God is, who we are, and the difference between the two. And an accurate understanding of God's hatred of sin resulting in cheerful, trustful obedience. Ultimately, it is acknowledging that God has acknowledging what God has declared about Himself and mankind in the cross. It's acknowledging the application of the Gospel to us specifically. It's bowing at the feet of the Lamb who was slain. Gospel-driven fear ends in love towards God, not fear of condemnation. Okay? And I'm going to be honest. Those four things, which of the four responses do you have when you, when you sin? I've been all four. Even after being a believer, I've been all four. What response are you having about sin in your life right now? If it's anything but repentance, brokenness before God, you need to repent of that. You, 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 you should care. You know, we should care when we, when we traipse upon this grace of God. You know, but, but the guilt, God has cast that away through Christ. We don't need to feel guilty. It's not about hiding it and feeling guilty and trying to be this great person in front of everybody else. It's not about that either. And likewise, you know what? You're just going to get tired, and I've done this, trying to be a better person. Because it's not about being a better person. It's about coming to the Lord with a broken and contrite spirit and presenting yourself before Him and letting the Spirit lead you from that point on. From that point on. So I hope you've heard this today. Fear leads us to the cross. If you have a right understanding of God, it leads us to the cross. The cross had to happen 
Jesus had to be put to death. That was the only way we had a shot. Otherwise, we'd still be, you know, we'd be leaving here to go grab unblemished lambs to, you know, kill them in order to be made right before God. That would be nasty. Not do that. I'm thankful that Jesus, fear has led us to the cross, and the cross leads us to a relationship. And that relationship leads us to love. There's a, um, there's a verse in Amazing Grace. You guys know Amazing Grace, right? You've sung that here probably a thousand times. We sing that sometimes with Zion. Sometimes we sing Awesome God. I'm trying to teach him how awesome God is. And so that, that song, you know, we, we talk about how amazing and big God is because he doesn't know how much of a sinner he is yet. You have to know that. You know, you can't really understand the grace of God until you know how much of a sinner you are. Right? We're all big time sinners. But there's this verse in, in Amazing Grace that says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." If that's you today, you, you have fear, you have guilt, you have condemnation and you know it, you know you're still under condemnation, give it up. Repent. Be broken. And come to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the opportunity to share with these students. I pray that You, you would bless them, Lord, not just in their lives with uh, uh, great academics, um, health, Lord, uh, success in whatever they pursue in their lives. Not with those things, Lord, that are so temporal. But God... I pray that Your Spirit would come upon them like never before. I pray, Father, that You would let them see Your holiness, Your might, Your awesomeness, Your power, Lord, and that that would draw them to a realization of who they are in their sinful state, Lord, and that that sin would draw them to the cross. Lord, we would see that Your wrath has already been poured out. We don't have to take it anymore. Thank You, Father. Thank You for saving us. Thank You for cleansing us and making us whole again and giving us that right view of You, Lord. Help us to stand for that and walk in that. Put our faith and our trust, our trust in You, Lord, for those that have never trusted. I pray that today is the day, Lord, that they would put their trust in You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Well, you are dismissed. Go in the love and um, fear of the Lord. If you'd like to stay for group photos, you can form groups up in the front.